Coming up, I'll tell you why you don't get people listening to you. You aren't moving the needle with them. And then six very worrying workplace numbers and what we and you can do about them. Let's go. All right, welcome to the Ken Coleman Show, where we help you win at work so that you're winning in other areas of your life. You spend too much time at work not to win big. That's more money, more meaning. And we're going to cover so many things that allow you to translate what we're teaching you into the real world, and we're informing you as well. So here we go. Uh, All the time, 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 there is this tension for those of us who want to move up professionally. And we're not the leader. Or we are a leader, but we're not the leader, and we feel like we can't move the needle. And so today I want to talk about something. You can get what you want, even if you're not the boss. Simply put, I believe you can. Is it easy? No. Is the process simple? Yes. Most people think that the best way to get what they want is to get into a place of power, at which point I force the change. But they're wrong. Even in a position of power, there's a much better way to get what you want. First, it doesn't require any special position or a C-level sweet job title. Two, it's going to eventually have people coming to you and essentially begging you to be in charge, begging you for your opinion. Now, that sounds a lot better, doesn't it? Think about that. And I'm going to show you how to get there. Because I want you to think about this. Have you ever had a leader kind of pull the old parent move on you? Because I said so. By the way, I I need to apologize to my kids. Of course, you know, I might as well shout into the wind right now because they're not going to watch this. But, you know, I've done the old parent thing. Because I said so. And essentially that's a cop-out for parents and it's a cop-out for leaders because we don't want to do the hard work of better explaining our position. We haven't explained it well enough. By the way, our kids aren't being rebels when they say that. They don't understand it. They don't understand why you have said what you've said or decided to do what you want to do, parents. And leaders, same deal. Uh, Let me give an example. The first time I heard of this in the workplace, I was 14 years of age. It was my first job, and I was working in a uh, greenhouse uh, florist shop, and I was in the greenhouse section growing plants. In fact, we were growing Christmas plants, and they are grown in the summer, poinsettias. Those beautiful red Christmas flowers we're about to see everywhere. uh, Well, we see everywhere around Christmas time. And, and, And so... I was, you know, a grunt, and I was literally just low man on the totem pole. I was doing these little cuttings, and we put them in these styrofoam things. It was backbreaking, bending over, and and uh, I didn't know at the time that these poinsettias are very sensitive plants, and so they can't have any algae anywhere near them. They have to have uh, perfect light and temperature. So it was it was a process and a big business for my boss. And so um, he was very hands-on. And so I remember one day, I'm 14, and not a rebellious 14. Uh, Love coaching, uh, was pretty, you know, go-along, get-along kind of kid at that point. And I remember one day he was giving me some very specific instructions on how to take these cuttings, think of them as just like a standalone leaf, 
and put them in this uh, styrofoam thing, and then there were three or four other steps, which I'm going to simplify for today because i got a lot to get to. Bottom line is, uh, he told me he was a guy who talked fast. And so he's telling me all this stuff, and I'm sitting there trying to get it, and he tells me, and and I remember saying something to the effect of, um, well, why do we do that again? Not because I didn't agree with what he was telling me, but I was trying to understand, um, and I thought that maybe I had come up with a shortcut, and he was just, he didn't have time for it. He just went, because I'm the boss, and I tell you what to do, and you effing do it. That's what he said to me. And he actually wasn't mad. Like, he didn't yell at me, but I remember going, but but here's the deal. I literally was trying to figure out the process so I understood it because I was thinking about ways to improve it. So, moving on. Using your position or job title to force people to do what you want to do is faster in the short term. It's more efficient, and that's why leaders do it. That's why my boss did it that day. He didn't have time, right? But it leads to resentment. It kills creativity. And eventually that backfires on the leader. So the secret to getting what you want, even when you're not in charge, is influence. How can I have influence, though, if I don't have power? I'm going to walk you through that. Because influence is actually more difficult than power. In fact, people can be in power and not have influence. How many of you work for somebody who they have all the power in the world, but they can't influence you to do anything. You do it because you don't want to get fired. But they don't give you an idea and you go, ha, 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 that's awesome. Give me a water pistol, boss. Let's charge hell. See, now that's influence. So how do you get influence? First, the first step to earning influence, because you have to earn it. You don't pay for it. You have to earn it. And you can get it quickly when you start with you, the person in the mirror. Influence with people is built on trust. So you have to be worthy of trust. You cannot demand trust. You can only earn it. And it starts with us. If people like us, if they feel supported by us, if they see that we have delivered on what we said we were going to deliver on, we are, in fact, authentic, then, in fact, people begin to trust you. Trust you. This leads to this idea of relationships. Influence is all about relationships. Bad relationships in the workplace, you have low level of influence. The converse is also true. If I have good relationships in the workplace, I have more influence. So the more influence you earn, the more people will start gravitating to you. Watch this first. They enjoy being around you. They want to they want to be around you. And thus, when you throw ideas out, they're very open to the ideas and they have a greater chance of accepting your ideas. In fact, I really believe they'll naturally start seeking you out for starts with your opinion and then ultimately your leadership and then you are top of mind for promotions. In other words, when a promotion comes open and you have been building trust and as a result have more influence, your name is going to pop to the top. The conversation is, you know what? Uh, This position has opened up. We need somebody to step into this. 
I think the natural person is blank. Why? Because they've seen your influence with others. They've experienced your influence personally. This is the idea of if I influence my leader positively, they're going to give me more opportunity to spread my influence around the building. So if you focus on building influence, you'll get promoted faster than you ever imagined. Some of you right now are going, how can I get promoted quicker? How can I make more money? But what if your focus was, I want to get more influence. And if I focus on getting more influence, the promotion, the money follows. I think influence, Alex, is the key to greater income. I I just, if I was going to just lay it out in a bumper sticker to young people, if every 22-year-old getting out of college this year said, Ken, give me a bumper sticker advice that'll help me. That's it. I'd look right in the eye and I'd say, hey, I... I would focus on more influence. Grow your influence on every rung of the ladder you're on, and I'm telling you, your income will follow. Grow your influence, grow your income. There it is. Grow your influence, grow your income. If you try to grow your income without growing influence, let me tell you what happens. You become frustrated. You become too intense, uh, insecure. It becomes like this, What's not? why is it not happening? Whoa, 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 what's going on? How come I'm not moving up? Well, you got to grow your influence. You got to grow your influence. And this is the key to winning. By the way, as I always try to do, there's a personal application here too. You want to win in your home, win with your family? Grow your influence through trust. This is the Ken Coleman Show. Hey, if the show is helping you on YouTube and podcasts, would you help us grow? You can do that on YouTube by liking the videos you're watching, subscribing to the channel and sharing. And then on your podcast platform, would you give us a follow, a five-star review and share as well? All right. Uh, my good friends at Gallup, been uh, really privileged to get to know them uh, over time and spend some time with the president of Gallup earlier this year. And uh, some they've got their workplace data that they do every year. It's extensive. They're the gold standard on polling. And there's six worrying numbers that they have uh, highlighted. And I think this is valuable for you. Here they are. We'll break these down. Number one, only 23% of U.S. employees trust the leadership of their organization. That is mind-boggling. Now, the wording in the polling is 23% of U.S. employees strongly agree that they trust the leadership of their organization. So, again, uh, if you don't strongly trust your leadership, <laughs> can I just tell you, I love I love all these polling things, but if you don't strongly trust your leader, you don't trust them. Could you imagine I if I sat down with Stacy Alex, and said, hey, babe, we've been married 25 years. Can I just do a little gut check? Um, do you kind of trust me? Do you strongly trust me? Or do you not trust me at all? Could you imagine if you did that? 
I mean, there's no good answer other than I strongly trust you, Ken. If it's like, I, I, I don't strongly trust you at all. I kind of trust you. Well, that's not trust. Anyway, so I edited 23% of the American employees trust their leadership. So what were the findings? What were the findings that led to this low number so that those of you who are in a leadership position can actually do something with this and go, ooh, how do I make sure that I'm trustworthy? Well, number one, if you don't make changes, you won't lead changes. People don't trust you. Because they're sitting there going, something's not working. It's not working. And if you're walking around going, hey, everybody, I'm Big Bird. I'm Big Bird the leader. Hey, it's a sunny day. Woo! And they're all going, this dude should be biting his fingernails off. That's what's going on. That's This is from the data. So Gallup pulls this up. They go, okay, so if you lead change well, that's one way to inspire trust. So they know something needs to change. Either you don't know leader or the leader doesn't know it needs to change or you don't have the guts to make the change and they're going, I don't. It's like being on the battlefield going, we kind of should retreat or pivot or we're going to die. And and it's that young leader in the foxhole that's just like frozen. Another way to inspire trust or leaders should inspire trust is clear communication. I hear one thing over here. Then I hear another thing over there. It's not clear. So the foggier, the muddier, if you will, the multiple messages, the duplicity, if you will, does not inspire trust. And then so so communicate clearly. And then third, inspire confidence in our future by saying, this is where we're going. This is why we're going there. And this is how we're going to get there. All right, second worrying number. 23% of employees believe they get the right amount of recognition. Only 23% of employees think they get the right amount of recognition. And you wonder why people don't stay long enough? Psychologically, they are being beaten down, even if you aren't insulting them. It's not what you're doing to them. It's it's what you aren't doing for them. Did you get that? If you're leading people, by the way, if you're under a leader right now and you just feel like you aren't valued, you aren't wanted, you aren't cared for, then they don't have to necessarily do anything awful to you. It's not what they're doing to you. It's what you aren't doing for them. More than this third number, more than half, 53%, say they don't feel prepared to work with AI or other advanced technology. So this is under the worrying side of things. You think about the media is always talking about AI this and AI that, and people are going, um, I don't even know how to spell artificial intelligence, much less work with it, right? And so there's a lot of angst. And let me tell you something. Another reason that people will leave is that they don't feel like they can hang any longer. This is all out of worry 
which leads to insecurity. And worrying people and insecure people in this third piece of data here, they will leave because they go, I, I can't hang. They're not training me for it. I don't know much about AI. AI is going to expose me, if you will. And so they leave. Fourth worrying number. 51% of currently employed workers around the world say they're watching for or actively seeking a new job. Now, I want you to think about this. This is interesting. If you're in leadership, think of your best people on your team. You think that a recruiter's not eventually going to come after them? You think that other people who do life with them, learn about them, like them, they're your best people for a reason? You think that they're not going to get a, hey, have you ever thought about coming over here? Come on. It's a, it's a reality. For those of you who've left recently, one of the reasons you left is because you probably didn't feel valued where you are. Those of you who are thinking about leaving, it's because you don't feel valued is a large reason. It's not the only reason. And so if you want leaders, if you want people to be committed to your organization, then you've got to deepen the relationships with the stars and you've got to show them a path to a better life if they stay with you. It's that simple. Fifth worry number, only two in 10 employees feel connected to the culture of the organization. All right, so what is culture? Culture is shared behaviors. If I come to your house and I spend 30 minutes with you and your family, I could tell you what the culture of your house is. In other words, what are the shared behaviors of every member of the family? Same thing with a company. When you hang out and you see how everybody operates, that is from business functions to communication to interaction uh, on in a, in a team, everything. You can look at it and you go, okay, there are some shared behaviors in this organization and this this organization has a culture of fill in the blank love a culture of collaboration a culture of fear a culture of distrust whatever and so only 20 percent of american employees feel connected to the culture so what that really means is some of you out there you can't maybe put a finger on it and i'm gonna tell you this is a reason to leave if you don't feel connected to your company's culture, meaning the shared behaviors of the organization, you're going, I don't want to share those behaviors. I don't like the way this company behaves collectively. I, I don't belong here. I'm not a fit. Uh, that's, that's real. And then the final number, only 4 in 10 employees report unethical behavior at work if they, first, if they have firsthand knowledge of it. So 9 out of 10 said they would report unethical behavior, but few do. And the reason they don't is they didn't see it firsthand. So it's hearsay. So unethical behavior drives people away. Good people don't want to be around bad people. And so if leaders aren't aware of this and creating a culture of safety where I can feel safe going, hey, look, I'm hearing that this happened. I didn't see it, but I'm hearing. And you go, I'm on it. I'm going to dig into it. That's a safety of 
If I talk about it, I know my leader cares enough to go, we're going to dig into this and we're going to handle bad people. So uh, those are six worrying trends. And again, I point those out because if if that's affecting you, uh, you're not weird. There's nothing wrong with you. If you can't fix it, you can't overcome it, then yeah, you should probably think about going somewhere else. And if you're leading within this, you need to make some changes. Welcome back to the Ken Coleman Show. Hey, you were created to fill a unique role in your work. That means you are needed. You're really valuable. But it also means you need to show up and do it. And a lot of you are going, I, what is that role? How do I figure that out? This feels like a, a lifetime of discovery. Not true. I don't care what you see on social media about that. You don't have to wander around for 20 years and then find yourself. You just got to look inward, figure out how you're designed. And you take your design and then you match it up to your story, your experiences in life, you can figure out. So we've created a tool that'll help you see how you're designed. It helps you see how you're designed in the area of talent, what you do well. It helps you see your design in the area of passion. What work lights you up? And then the third element that it reveals to you, it shows you what motivates you. In other words, what results motivate you to get excited, to get out of bed day in and day out and go give your best. And when you are aware of those three wires, if you will. So how you're wired, um, then you can see the type of work that allows you to use what you do best, to do what you love, to produce results that matter to you. Has a purpose statement that gives you that language. It becomes a job description for you that you can use your entire life. It's called the Get Clear Assessment. It's only 30 bucks. You can get it at kencoleman.com slash assessment or kencoleman.com. Go get it. All right, let's get to the phone. Justin's on the line for a little coaching session in Charlotte, North Carolina. Justin, you're on the Ken Coleman Show. Hey, Ken. How are you? I'm living the dream. What's going on? Um, so thank you for taking my call. And um, so I took the, the career assessment, and I'm kind of stuck on um, if I've done it correctly because of the results I've got are totally different from what I've done for the past 16 years. Okay. Well, if we if we strip away what you've done in the past and we just look at the purpose statement that's that has your results, the top three okay. talents, the top three passions and then the primary motivating mission when you read it does it sound like you does it feel like you because after all they're your answers um some of it but the, the i can just read the statement for you if that's okay yeah tell me where you're getting hung up okay so it says i was created to use my talents of compassion inspection and justice to perform my passions of advocating protecting and advising to accomplish my mission of influence and I think what I'm getting hung up on is the top talent of compassion. Um, and I guess like the, the, or the top, yeah, the top talent of uh, compassion and then the advocating, protecting and advising. So all three of the passions, the work you love, you're not sure about those. Yeah. Mainly because I've, for the past 16 years, I've done welding and construction type work with my hands. Mm -hmm. And those, those things seem totally, opposite of that yeah i'm not worried about what you've done in the past i'm worried about what your heart longs to do right and so there's the so it's it's you're not saying it doesn't sound like you you're just going it's not what i've done in the past so let's flip this so 
if I took past experience, everything off the table, and I said, I'm going to pay you double what you've ever made, and you get to go do what you would love to do. This would work would be you're getting double the pay that you've ever made. So take your highest earning potential, highest earning year ever, and I double it. And I say for 30 days, you get to go, and you're going to be effective at it. You don't have to train. You're already qualified. You go do it. Who would be the people that you would go work to help? I guess when you put it like that, it does make sense. I would want to help people that are, um, you know, like less fortunate or have been hurt in the past, have, you know, had difficult times, um, stuff like that. Yeah, tell me more. Be specific. You get to choose. 30 days. Who are you helping? Are they uh, um, yeah, who who? Tell me the people. What are they what are their problems? Top 3 problems you would go. All right, Ken, I'm helping these problems. I'm solving these problems for 30 days. What are they? Um, I guess like families um <clears throat> kind of similar to what you do, you know, just people that are struggling, trying to figure out who they are, what the, you know, what their purpose is in life and you know, you know maybe they've had Family problems. I've come from a you know broken family and stuff like that, and um, helping people that are less fortunate. That mm-hmm. you know, okay, great. So I lesser. just heard I heard three themes. And by the way, we're not going to put these on you like jackets. Like this is your future, but we're just we're ideating. Okay, I heard three types of people. Um, people who came from broken families, their whole family life is has become or was unstable, and it's created a, a variety of issues for them. So we have some broken family stuff. Okay. relationship brokenness. Um, I heard people who may be behind the eight ball financially. Maybe they're in poverty, uh, no fault of their own. Um, and um, and then maybe maybe some type of uh, abuse. I don't know. I thought I heard that. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You know. Okay, so I did hear something in that. In that I just felt it. So yeah, that comes from your story. Yes. You, you, so there's two things that the assessment, well, there's only one thing the assessment that you took highlights, and that's your design. And so when we look at what you're really good at doing, uh, there was compassion, there was um, justice, there was another word though, another Inspection. one. Inspection. Inspection. That's a, that's a guy who, who naturally notices the details. He sees, or he sees what's wrong. Inspection is you walk in a room and you go, this isn't right. Or you look at something and you go, this isn't right. I can see what's wrong. By the way, inspection works with people as much as it does processes and objects. Doesn't have to be welding. You could also walk in, spend five minutes with a person and go, something's wrong. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. Spot on. And you're good at that. Yes. Yeah. And see, your story, there's something in your story that has shaped your heart. So God gives you the talent, but I believe you're, and and, you're, and it leads to, the, the talent does give us some clues into passion because we like to do things we're good at, yes? Yeah. Absolutely. But then there's also our story, and our story shapes our heart and our worldview. And so that's why I took you there. So I I think advocating, protecting, and advising is absolutely spot on to what you're passionate about because that's your heart. And your heart has been shaped by your personal story. And so advocating, that means standing in the gap for somebody, fighting 
evil on their behalf or sometimes just fighting for them with them. Am I still right, Justin? Yeah, absolutely. Are you feeling this? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. What are you feeling? I really can't put my finger on like a certain career. No, 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 that's thinking. I'm saying when I when I'm digging in this, what are you feeling right now? I don't mean ideating. I mean, what are you feeling? When you think about standing up for somebody as an advocate with themselves or fighting evil or bad systems, fighting for them, that's an advocate, a a lawyer, right? A a social worker. I'm not saying you got to do those things. I'm saying I'm creating this image for you. And then you look at protecting. That's the police officer, the military man or woman, the parent, protecting. And then the advisor. The counselor, the coach, the the teacher. I'm not again not putting these roles on you. I'm saying the spirit of that. When you think about doing that for people, and you know in your mind the people you want to help, how does that make you feel? Oh, it, it fires me up. It makes me want to do it. At a boy. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. Because we've got to be able to feel our future before we can see our future. I believe the ideation comes as a result of the right emotion to go, ah, it's, that's what I want to do. Now, figure wow. out how to do it. So so I think if you look at your results and you look at your missional result, which is this is what motivates you, influence is all about people, 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 transformation in the lives of people. Does that feel right to you? Absolutely. All right, yeah. then. So I think your purpose statement is spot on. Compassion is the heart. You have a huge heart for people. The inspection. I'm going to dig in and see what's going on in their life, what's wrong that should be right. And justice, I'm going to make it right. I'm going to fight for what's right. I'm good at that. Yes or no? Yes. All right, then. I feel like we got a really good purpose statement because it's yours. So My biggest fear is what to do now, though. I I'm- got you. I'm going to give you the book from paycheck to purpose. If you don't have it, I'm going to give it to you. And I want you to... Follow the seven stages. You're already clear now as to who you are. Now we move into what I want to do, why I want to do it, and where I can do it. Make sense? Yes, absolutely. So here are the questions you've got to answer. You've got to answer who are the people I want to help, the problem or desire that they have, and the solution to that problem or desire that I can give. And that's where we begin to ideate. Do I want to be a counselor, a therapist? Do I want to be a, a an activist? Do I want to be, you know, and we begin to get the ideas. And when we see the ideas, then the next step is we're going to go hang around people that are doing those roles. And I'm going to have coffee and lunch with them. And I'm going to ask them, give me the good, the bad, and the ugly. And then I, and then I listen to all that and I go, oh, I like this. I like it. Or I don't like it. And then I figure out what does it take to get there. So the stage is the seven stages. Now it's about finishing, getting clear. Then we get connect. Get, excuse me, get qualified, and then we get connected, and then we get started. So I've got the book for you. Hang on the line. We'll give it to you. It's going to walk you through the process, Justin. But today was the day that you said, "This is who I am," and that's the first step. Thanks for listening to the Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.